Hello, future Lakers. Welcome to a brand new start. I'm your host, Kyle Anderson, graduate and post-degree student recruitment officer at Nipissing University. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the Master of Education program with graduate Triana Ortiz. We'll talk about their coursework, classmates, supervising professor, and more. We'll also discuss Triana's research project titled Effects of Testosterone on Feedback Schedules and Learning of a Spatial Motor Task. So wherever you're listening from today, whether it's while working, relaxing, or studying, I hope you enjoy. Please welcome to the podcast, Triana Ortiz. Hi, Triana. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. So how's your summer been so far? Wonderful. This is my first summer completely off, so I've been spending lots of time at the cottage. Nice. It's been great. Is it in the area, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, it's only about an hour drive, but if you do the speed limit, then an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For those of you coming up uh, to North Bay, you may not have been here. Plenty of beautiful locations to uh, vacation, maybe get an Airbnb, rent a cottage for a little bit. Uh, So before we jump into your whole master's experience, do you maybe want to tell us a little bit about uh, just your academic journey? So where you're from, how you ended up at Nipissing originally? Uh, Yeah, just how'd you end up here? Sure. So I am from North Bay. I did apply to Nipissing along with other universities in high school. I chose to go elsewhere to start. Uh, Ultimately, circumstances brought me back home and it was probably the best decision I ever made because I made really great relationships in my second and third year, which allowed me to do the thesis route, which I didn't think I really thought I was ever going to be able to do or something I wanted to do. And volunteering in labs, meeting the right people, it just propelled me. And I don't think I would be where I am today without those relationships. So definitely the better choice to come back. And so, yeah. Great, great. And your uh, graduate degree, your master's degree was in uh, education, but you took psychology as your undergrad? I did, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you mind me just tell us a bit about that program, maybe? The people you met, professors, that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, okay. So I originally wanted to do uh, some type of forensic psychology. I, yeah. of course, was one of those people who watched Criminal Minds all the time. <laughs> Any type of those type of TV shows. Uh, I remember, I think it was in our third year, all the psych professors did this presentation saying, come work with me, come work with me. And they did their whole spiel about what their research was about. And nobody was really looking at forensic psych. And I was disappointed. But there was this new prof who did research in aggression, risk-taking, decision-making, competition. And I thought, hey, that's forensic adjacent, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, I volunteered in Justin Carey's lab for the whole remainder of my third year. Did my undergrad thesis with him my fourth year. And when I graduated, he offered me the position of lab manager, which is where I got all my research experience, which ultimately allowed me to stay in North Bay to do my master's of education at Nipissing as well. Awesome. That's great. And I mean, being a smaller school, it's awesome that you got those research opportunities in your undergrad. I know a lot of students are a little intimidated about all the research that's involved in a master's. Uh, Maybe you can put them at ease a bit. Just talk about, you know, the smaller university experience, uh, working so close with the professors, how that helped uh, with some of the research. Yeah, I I, again, I had applied to multiple master's programs again. um, And knowing that I had this awesome job opportunity to run Justin's lab alongside him, uh, being able to mentor other undergraduate students who were going to be doing their theses in the future years. I just knew that it was a job opportunity I didn't want to um, pass up. And knowing that I could take the 
thesis route for my master's and take fewer courses that would allow me to work full time and go to school full time. It was just the right pick. And I probably would have picked this thesis route regardless because I do enjoy research, but it was a great marriage. I did all my coursework the first year, collected my data the first year, and then I took my time writing everything up while I continued to work and do research for Justin Carre and his lab and help hold all the hands of all of his undergraduate <laughs> students and master's students and even helping with postdocs as they came through right. the lab. And it was it was awesome. No, that's great. So in the Master of Education program, there are a few routes. Uh, you've mentioned you did the thesis route. Uh, there is two others. There's an MRP, which is a master's research paper route, uh, and then a course-based route, which has a project at the end of it. Do you maybe want to just elaborate on the different routes and why you chose the research thesis one specifically? Yeah. As I, as I mentioned, mostly it had to do with the fact that I love research, but I also wanted to work and I was working full time in the lab and I was also doing extracurricular like teaching dance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the majority course space, I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to do five courses a semester, three, four, five, doesn't matter. But for two full years, I just mm-hmm. I didn't think I could juggle all that. Yeah. And the major research project, yes, you take fewer courses, but still not as little as you would if you were to do this major research project which is the thesis route. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when I did my undergrad, I had already done a similar project. I had already done testosterone administration, working with men in a more like medical atmosphere. And, and to know that my thesis project for my master's was going to be something similar, it just felt like the perfect fit to do a big project, collect my own data, and write it all up by myself with the assistance of my supervisors. Great. That's awesome. And yeah, for those of you out there considering the program, there are those different routes, so I do consider, um, I recommend you look into those. If you do prefer the research, like Triana, there's plenty of opportunity for that. Uh, but like she said as well, there is more of a course-based route if you prefer more of the course-based um, learning as opposed to so much self-directed research. Uh, you briefly mentioned uh, some of the professors you worked with. We haven't talked about who your actual supervisor was for your Master's of Education. So was he someone you, uh, Dr. Steve Hansen is his name, by the way. Uh, Did you reach out to him ahead of time? Was it something where your research topic aligned with kind of his research background? How did that all happen? Uh, It's actually, I think, a little bit of a funny story. We had worked, well, the lab that I was working in full time had done some collaborative work in his lab, um, different projects with similar interest. We used his physical lab space for one of our projects because we were using eye tracking and we didn't have that in our lab. And this relationship built between the two labs. And we were constantly crossing paths. We became friends, et cetera, et cetera. And when I said that I was applying, that I got into the Master's of Education and I was considering the thesis route and who I was potentially going to, Mm -hmm. I guess, go out and and ask if they wanted to be my supervisor, I was unaware that he could take on students. And he said, "Uh, excuse me, what about me? (laughs) And I said, well, it's the perfect fit. Like we've yep. already worked together. We already know that our research interests align and it was, it was a great, great combination. No, I think it's a good example too of the school, you know, being a small university, you get to know some of those professors. They, you know, he knew to come up and be like, Hey, why, why haven't you asked me to be your supervisor? Right. And at some larger schools, that might not be the case. You know, you might not, um, you might not even get to work with your supervisor that often. You might be working with a TA or an RA. Mm-hmm. So being at a smaller school, it's awesome uh, to have so much access to those professors. 
Uh, we're going to jump right into your actual research project now. I'll just okay. read the title again for everyone. Uh, effects of testosterone on feedback schedules and learning of a spatial motor task. So um, I, I, I can't elaborate on that. <laughs> so if you care to, um, you don't have to give us the whole project, of course, but maybe just a summary of um, what you found in the research, kind of what the conclusion was, where you fit in the historiography. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I will say that I didn't have much experience in kinesiology, motor learning, that type of stuff. So it was definitely a lot of self-directed learning and reading on my own. But my supervisor, Steve Hansen, provided me with all the, the great information that I really needed to kind of really immerse myself mm-hmm. with that. I was obviously more um, privy to psychology and testosterone and how hormones affect behavior. And because that was my undergrad thesis and I was still working in the lab doing testosterone research, I thought, how can I bring my thesis project into projects we were already doing in the lab? So I asked Justin's permission or sorry, Dr. Kari's permission to say, can I tackle another task onto the end of this project for myself? And it just worked out. And in the end, what we did, we looked at testosterone administration in men um, versus on a day where you aren't having your testosterone manipulated to see if it affects your ability to learn a motor task. So how quickly are you learning the task? How accurate are you when you're completing this task? And it was um, tracking. You had to press buttons in a kind of like a maze on a computer. And we had people who were super accurate but didn't get the timing component. And we had people who were super spot on for timing but didn't get the accuracy. And what we learned is that depending on whether you completed the task on the placebo day, on the day where you had had a fake drug but didn't know you had the fake drug or the day that you got testosterone, your ability to be more accurate, uh, it kind of, you you made sacrifices in your timing in order to be accurate. So how you chose to complete the task uh, changed on the day that you had testosterone versus on the day that you didn't. I see. And how did you, um, how did you get these subjects if that's the right word? You can correct me. Please do if I'm wrong. No, the participants, subjects, <laughs> yeah, participants, subjects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did you uh, get them? Was there a blast you sent out? Where it, was it current students maybe? Yeah. Well, because I was, like I said, I was managing uh, Justin Kari's lab at right. the time. I was being effectively the project manager on all those projects. Awesome. So I was doing the recruitment oh, for, great. for these studies. I was, training research assistants, um, helping undergrad thesis students figure out what they're, how they're going to uh, collect their data on similar projects, same projects, et cetera. And we rented out a medical office in Sudbury, actually, oh, wow. okay. because we needed phlebotomists to take blood in order to measure the testosterone levels wow. pre and post drug administration and various times afterwards. And we did Facebook advertisements. We did radio advertisements. We had already done a couple um, projects already in Sudbury that we were able to recontact people who had given us consent to, to have their contact information to come back and participate again. And with grant money, we were able to pay, pay the participants a pretty oh, wow, penny nice. to participate. And to be honest, not everybody wants to get their blood taken. No, yeah, very true. Uh, but we were still able to get quite a few uh, participants, over 30, which is a really great number, especially when you have to come back twice. One week for whichever drug condition and another week, two weeks apart for the other drug condition. Right. So we were very lucky. 
That's great. Yeah. And you, and you did mention uh, you, you kind of had this idea already in mind from your undergrad, but how did your project maybe change over time uh, throughout the master's degree? Like, did it go flawlessly or was there some turns you had to make? Maybe a breakthrough you had that like, oh, this, we weren't expecting this or, you know, how did um, it kind of change or grow? Well, I will say that I knew that I wanted to work with testosterone and behavior mm-hmm. because that was the psych person in me. And learning motor and being a dance teacher, I wanted to also know how quickly can you learn a new skill, a new task, a new anything. And that was great. They kind of just married together. Mm -hmm. And Steve Hansen knew that I was a dance teacher. I danced my whole life. And so we picked that together. And then I went to Justin and how am I going to use testosterone in this type of area? And the three of us together add this specific task to the project that was already in existence. I will say, though, that we were using a new drug at the time and we weren't sure about dosages. So we had some people who got seven milligrams and some people who got 11 milligrams. And it turns out in the end that the people who got seven milligrams or testosterone didn't even fluctuate like hardly at all. And so we had to scratch those people and that affected our sample size. So, yes, things evolved and they changed. But all in all, we got data. We got nice results. We were able to write it up and it was fun throughout no matter what. No, that's that's good to hear because I, I do talk to a lot of prospective students or applicants who they're so worried or focused on the just their proposal. They think they have to have the whole research done before they've even applied or been accepted. They think they have to have it all mapped out. Uh, and I just not. it's just good to hear from students that, you know, it will change over time. Um, yours seem to go pretty flawlessly, which is good. But even, even in a great project like that, there's little things you need to adapt or change. So I would definitely not say flawlessly, considering <laughs> yeah. even, even the results we got probably weren't what we were expecting yeah. or we thought maybe be a greater difference on testosterone versus not on testosterone. But no, needless yeah. to say, it was still a fun project. We right. found cool results. And you had your vision, which you know yeah. is the main thing. And, and for those of you out there that might have a vision exactly what you want to do a project on, that's great. And you can pursue that. But if you don't, don't get too worried. You can also have like a general idea. And uh, help flesh it out later with with the help of your professors. Yeah, many supervisors have a long list of projects they want to do at some yeah. point, and they need somebody to take it on. Exactly, exactly. So if so you, you can tell fu- somebody right. what, what you like, they're going to be like, oh, I actually have X, Y, Z that are in that realm here. You can just take on this project for me. Right, exactly. And for those of you coming from another school who maybe didn't know the professors ahead of time uh, like Trianna did, you can uh, go onto their web pages. You can contact me as well. I'll give some contact info out. Uh, at the end of the podcast, it's in the show notes as well. And if you contact me, I can help put you in touch with those people. They have web pages that have a list of their research interests, uh, the research projects they've completed, their publications. So you can find uh, some some other uh, professors that have similar research interests as yourself. So you mentioned uh, the labs. You mentioned research participants. Was there any other resources you use, like uh, library, the archives, uh, any other places on campus you were spending time or primarily in the labs? Um, I use the central analytic facility quite a bit. We call it the calf lab because that's where we analyze all our blood and saliva samples. That was a skill that I learned volunteering in Dr. Kari's lab before becoming the manager, which is a skill that hardly any undergraduate gets the opportunity to do. I got my basic lab training, bloodborne pathogens training, and I was already analyzing saliva samples as a third year student and then a thesis student in my fourth year and then analyzing as the manager and then analyzing my own data as a thesis student. So that was great. Um, 
Ashley, who runs the lab down there, she was a wonderful help, especially for somebody like me who doesn't know what any of these big fancy machines do. Just the little machines that I I needed for myself. Great support, made it so that it wasn't scary going into someplace that's very chemistry, very hard science based. Me, my little psych person, going in there with my little blood and saliva samples. <laughs> it it was a great great space, and I used it lots. Um, I would say even other professors' labs, we did a lot of collaborations or discussions, meetings, et cetera. There's, there's tons of places on campus that you don't need to pigeon your pigeonhole yourself to one spot. Yeah, that's great. And I think, yeah, I think that goes for all programs too here, especially the professor and lab access you get, whether you're an undergrad or a graduate student, Nipissing is honestly second to none. Uh, I obviously haven't been to other universities, but I do know we are one of the smaller graduate programs uh, in Ontario, and that access you get to the labs, honestly, you're in there, what, every day, probably? Yeah. So, yeah, I know at some larger schools, you have to schedule your times and all that. Uh, Maybe you only get into a lab once or twice a week. So it's great to have that much access. Fast forwarding to the end of your degree, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your final defense, Um, maybe the process of well, what it is in general, for those who might not know, just the process of prepping for it. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I knew that I'm the type of person who likes to see what I'm getting myself into. Mm. And knowing that you had the opportunity to go witness other people's defenses was wonderful. I probably sat in on one in person and three over Zoom before my own, just to kind of know what to expect. I had many meetings with Steve Hansen, my my supervisor, and with Justin Carey presenting my defense, um, asking for feedback. I had many, many people help me to ensure that I was speaking well. Yeah. (laughs) Not not having those the nerves and the shaking voices. Um, But COVID happened. Yeah in March and my defense was June. So I actually did my defense over Zoom. Okay. Yeah. Which was really I want to say better for me <laughs> because then I didn't have the anxiety of driving to campus, parking my car, yeah, yeah. am I going to am I going to be late and like standing outside the room and yeah. who's going to be there and the people who were in the audience, they didn't have their cameras on, some did, some didn't and it kind of made it feel more intimate, at least for me, because I could pretend that it was a smaller group, yeah. even if there were lots of people. And the comfort of my own house, I could have my coffee, and and it was it was great. It's, it was yeah. intimidating, but it was also very great. And it's great from a lot of students I talk to who have defended their research project. Um, yeah, it's I find a lot of them say it, it's, it's the buildup they get nervous about. And then once they start and they're actually talking about the stuff that they've been researching for one, two, three years at this point, then they're like, oh, okay, I'm the expert on this topic now. Did you feel that at all talking to them? Like by the end of it, you're like, no, I'm the expert. I'm the one telling them how this goes. (laughs) I feel like I have imposter syndrome no matter what. (laughs) Like in in current jobs, past jobs, it's just something that I always feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say that I definitely felt like an expert, but I felt calm, cool, collected once I started. It felt like I had practiced enough. I had seen it happen both in person and over Zoom for other people that there were no surprises. That's great, yeah. And and like you said, too, you worked with your supervisor ahead of time. They don't want you to fail either, everyone. Like, they want you to succeed as well, so they're going to work hard with you to make sure you are successful. 
Um, last thing I'll ask you quickly, were there any other students in your program that had cool projects that you heard about, maybe that uh, interested you? Well, I'll say because I was exclusively remote, I didn't get to meet many people also in the education program. But because I volunteered for the undergraduate research uh, conference committee, I was able to work with other graduate students from other programs. Oh, great, yeah. And I learned about what they were doing that way. In retrospect, I regret not putting myself mm-hmm. out there more to meet more people in other graduate programs. But even the handful of people that I, I met, it was really cool to see how things were different in the history right. program versus the kinesiology program. Um, I did get to watch students in the lab under me come up and do their defenses oh, after. So I had like a little bit of an investment yeah. to see those ones through. And even next week, one of my, I would say my, not my, one of the <laughs> previous students from the lab that I worked is defending next week. And I already have it in my calendar to attend the, that defense over Zoom as well. Oh, that's so. great. We're going to move on now to the rapid fire question section to wrap up the interview. Uh, So you can keep these answers a little shorter. Um, Yeah, we'll try to rip through as many as we can. The first one I'll ask you, I know you're a big dancer. uh, So tell me about an extracurricular team, club, or group uh, that you joined while at Nipissing or in the city in general. Well, my first year back at Nipissing, I think I did nothing. I was just trying to navigate or I could be wrong. Time It was a long time ago. But regardless, <laughs> Nipissing has a dance team. Yeah. And I was on the dance team the very first year of Inception. And I was the only person from North Bay on the team, minus somebody else, I think, who came a little bit later. And it felt really great to be like, yes, let's do a fundraiser here. Or, no, no, we don't want to go there. <laughs> or, yes, let's reach out to, to this establishment. They'll sponsor us, et cetera, et cetera. And... If I remember correctly, timelines, I think I was on the dance team for over five years because I was on it for my undergrad and for my master's. And by the end, I felt a little bit like a grandma being 20 something and having Mm -hmm. 17 year olds come onto the team. Um, But it was it was great. I was still teaching dance at the dance studio where I grew up dancing. I was dancing myself and it was yeah. it was amazing. You no, know, it sounds like you were a leader for the uh, younger students in the lab and the younger dancers too, as well. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, so maybe aside from dance, what were some other things you did uh, to relax or take a break from studying when you were uh, working on your research project? Um, because I am money hungry, <laughs> I am the person who had four jobs. Okay, yeah, all the time. I ran the lab while I was doing my master's. I was also teaching dance. I was also teaching at Canador part-time because they knew I was in my master's and they knew I already had like 10 plus years experience teaching. And I was also using my psych background with the Children's Aid Society. And I didn't really have much time for downtime because I was either working or school, working or school. So I think it's probably embarrassing to say, but Netflix, that was how I decompressed. Not at all. You know, whether it's keeping busy or self-care, whatever it is, a work-life balance is important when you're in a grad program, for sure. It's going to feel like you're just doing research and studying all the time. So whether it is working jobs or Netflix or dance, it's Mm -hmm. good to have something else. 
What's your favorite spot on campus, inside or outside? Um, or both? Inside, I there's a lounge on the first floor. It's kind of hidden because it's at the back of campus. And I only discovered it when it was time to get my grad photos taken in my mm. undergrad. And then in my years working at Nipissing in the lab and also doing my master's, I found myself hiding there yeah, on yeah. lunch and they had great couches. I think it's the Owl's Nest or yeah. the Alumni Hall. Don't really remember what it's called now, but. Yeah, no, great. Uh, favorite part in North Bay or favorite local spot? Uh, for food, because who doesn't like to eat? I would say Greco's on Algonquin. Love Greco's. Yeah. Um, also Burger World on Algonquin or the station, um, businesses. I like the annex and cheapskates for clothing and shopping. And obviously because I teach dance at a local business, I would also say Barbara Chlevin school of dance, which is now called BTS dance Corp. Great. Great. Thank you for all those local shout outs. (laughs) That's great. Last question I have for you uh, to wrap things up. What's one piece of advice you'd give to a future student at Nipissing? I would a thousand percent say, look into all of the supports and utilize them. It took quite a while for me to investigate any type of support that was offered to me. I don't know if it was a pride thing or just not having enough time to do that type of research. But once I figured out what I, what I could gain access to, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. Having academic writing helping, um, having people, I don't know, support in the library, making sure that I'm using the right type of search engines to make sure that I'm citing properly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, testing centers, if if you know that you're somebody who does not test well mm-hmm. in a big gym, knowing that those opportunities are there for you too. I definitely benefited from student success in my undergrad and in my graduate program. And I wish that I had seeked those supports out sooner. No, that's a perfect answer. I think it's great for everyone to hear that. Uh, yeah, make sure you're looking out for um, all the different supports on campus, especially if you did do your undergrad elsewhere, you're new to Nipissing. There's plenty of awesome resources out there for you. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us, Trina. I really appreciate it. Thank you for asking. (laughs) No problem at all. And uh, best of luck with all your future endeavors. It sounds like you have a lot of them on the go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again to our guest, Triana Ortiz, for joining us to talk about the Master of Education program. If you would like more information about Nipissing's post-degree programs, please email us anytime at nuinfo at or sign up for our mailing list on our website, nipissingu.ca slash futurestudents. Special thanks to Kayla Newton, Associate Registrar of Recruitment at Nipissing University, for making this podcast possible, and our producer Chris Pikarski, who makes the audio magic happen. Intro and outro music for the podcast is courtesy of Club Silencio. You can find their latest work on Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, or wherever you stream your music. I'm Kyle Anderson. Until next time, thank you for listening to A Brand New Start.